You know how you see me wave every week? It's because I have family here. Like They text me every time, wave to me. <laughs> or a little, like, little kiss this time. <laughs> or whatever. So just trying to do it. Hi, everybody. Hi, parents. Hi, siblings. Hi, in-laws. Hi, Michaela. <laughs> Hi, Barry. <laughs> Who loved Pastor Jim's message this morning? I loved it. Oh, my goodness. There's such a heavy presence on it, right? Like Shekinah, you know, that glory, that heavy, weighty presence. Um, so good. Um, tonight, I'm going to try and, well, I always try and follow leading of the Lord. And when it comes to worship, I'm so used to just doing whatever he wants to change and do. But because I don't do, like, preaching day in and day out, day in and day out, it's hard to just be like that. Just because I feel like sometimes, you know, you need a lot more training. Um, But if I'm behind the piano, if I'm singing and God says, do this, I don't have a problem doing that. And it's not that I have a problem, it's just sometimes, you know, picture yourself standing up here. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Especially after Pastor Jim, who's such a great teacher. Nevertheless, I know that part of my call is to bring words, and so um, I'm just trying to get trained up and hopefully get a heart from God for you. And that's actually what I feel like more more that I do, because I ha- I do have a lot of you know I spend time with the Lord and I write things down that He gives me. But the key when you minister, no matter when it when it is, is to always give what He wants you to give. And so. Um, Tonight, I, I just I believe that the Lord gave this to me to, to minister. So one of the things is uh, that I just want to start with is that I believe that we can all witness to the lost. Would you say that? Would you say that you're able to, in the moment, witness to the lost? At least, if you don't know, if you don't do it, you know what to do, right? Do you know? Like, does your mind automatically take you to some certain verses, like? If I'm ministering to, let's say, a lost person, I will explain the difference between life before the fall and life after. Because people need to know the difference between just, you know, you're being washed of your sin, but actually you're being given a new life. And why do you need that? Because a lot of people feel like, well, I'm good. So I don't really need, like, I'm not, I don't sin. You know, they feel that according to their own standard, they're good. But when you change it and you take it to, yeah, but you need the life of God, which you do not have. It becomes a whole new teaching. It becomes a whole new way that you minister. And so I'm sure that we can go to Romans, you know, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Remember that song? Uh, Romans 10 and 9 is a favorite verse of mine. Do you remember this? This is really old. Confessing Christ is Lord, I am saved by grace divine. Okay, you don't know this one. Basically, when I was a kid, we would put, in Sunday school, they'd put song to verses. So basically, you know, you could go to Romans 10. You go to John which is where Pastor was this morning talking about the born again life. He's taking it back to Genesis. Let's go to Ephesians. Because even if we can't minister that to people, even if in the moment you feel like, well, I know the verses and I kind of know what to say, but that step into it maybe has not happened, but you still know, right? And you still understand what the born again life is. You cannot be in this church and not know what born again life is. You understand the difference between born again and saved. Born again is the life that you received. Salvation or saved is the the benefits of that life. And so Ephesians 1, no, sorry, 2. 
Verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So that's not news to us, right? I mean, I think we could all quote, I'm saved by grace through faith. I mean, we, these are things we know. We understand this. Can you add anything to salvation? You can answer. <laughs> I'm like Pastor Jim this morning. Don't stare blankly. No, I'm just kidding. You can answer. <laughs> You're going to stare blankly anyways. Anyone who's been up here knows it. <laughs> can you add anything to what Jesus did on the cross? You know, if you work hard enough, can you receive salvation in any way that's... Right, okay, we know this. We understand. We understand what salvation is. Um, we understand that it's by faith, that we can't earn it either. Some people might like that better. They might like to earn it better, people who are doers and workers. But when we come to Christ, there is a cost. And I was sitting over there last week, and the Lord just whispered that one sentence, there is a cost. And I knew that, okay, well, next time that Pastor Jim asks me to preach is what I have to preach on, and then he asked me the next day. So that's generally how it happens. But there is a cost when you come to Jesus. I'm not saying that you add to salvation. The cost is this. It's death to the old man. Don't you think that death is a big cost? Think about it. Death is a big cost. What the modern church has done is they've offered forgiveness without change. And that's not the Lord. That's really not God. They, 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 that's a part of it. There's forgiveness, there's new life. But forgiveness without change is not the bottom line, original gospel. And the early apostles knew this. So let's go to Acts chapter 2, because I want you to see, okay? Oh, sorry, Acts chapter 3. Now this is after Pentecost, when they all got filled with the Spirit. And then Peter did that first message and 3,000 people got saved. Okay, starting at verse 1, we're just going to read a little bit. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lay from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him, with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then we know the story, how he starts leaping and, and jumping and praising God. And then what happens? The people start to marvel. and They're like, Oh my goodness. And they're rushing towards Peter and John in, in the temple. And then verse 12, Peter said, he answered the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. Amazing. Pilate was determined to let him go, but the Jewish people at the time, they didn't care. They wanted to crucify him. Verse 14, but ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect sadness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I know that through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. 
But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Okay, so now he's telling them, okay, Jesus, he, he, he heals the man, then he tells them how he did that, so this, that's through Jesus. But then verse 19, this is, this is what we're getting to, he turns it on them, and he says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Do you notice that the first thing he says to them is repent? You know, repentance, part of the meaning is to feel sorry for or remorseful for your sins. But you know it means more than that. And actually this word, let me just read this so I don't get the word wrong. The Greek word is metanoeo. It's fun reading Greek up here, let me tell you. This word means metanoeo, and it means to think differently afterwards. After what? Well, it comes from the Greek word metamorpho, and you guys know that. That's metamorphosis. That's what happens to a butterfly. Do you know that the whole there's not even one cell that's the same when it goes from a caterpillar to a butterfly? I didn't know that it turns in I just recently found this out it turns into like this goo and then it comes out a butterfly. It's a completely new creature. What does that remind you of? Second Corinthians five seventeen. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, old things have passed away and all things have become new. Forgiveness without change is not the real gospel. The, the first people knew that, yes, the cost of it, Jesus paid, and we can't add to that, the cost of, you know, that life. But there is a cost, except for thinking about it in a different way. The cost is death to the old man. What happens is we, we all do this in different areas. I do this, we all do this. We try to keep resurrecting this guy. Try to keep resurrecting, even though the price for him was like death, we're supposed to keep him dead. We try to keep res- resurrecting him, and that's not what's supposed to happen. That man is supposed to stay dead. There is a cost, okay? It's to the flesh. The flesh is supposed to de- stay dead. Let's go to 1 John 1. Again, just talking about the modern church teaches forgiveness without change. It's not what Jesus taught. And we're going to get another example here. First John, let's start at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the world. Now listen, did this all just talk about forgiveness? Yes, it's not a true question. And so the thing is, is that forgiveness is part of our salvation. And it says, you know, my little children, don't sin. Okay, chapter 2, verse 1 said, don't sin. But if you do sin, a sin, okay, not habitual lifestyle of sin, but if you do sin, a sin, you go to, go to the Lord. He'll forgive you. He's our advocate before the Father. But it doesn't stop there. Keep going at verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. So now what is this saying? This takes it beyond just forgiveness. This says, if you know him, if you say you know him, you'll keep his commandments. 
That's how people know that you know him. So like Pastor Jim was saying this morning, if you live by Pastor Pastor Jim, I say I think Pastor Jim has three verses that are like his stance in life. Matthew 4, 4, 2 Timothy 2, 15, and Ephesians 4, 23 and 24. And the reason why is because you have to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you don't exactly what he said this morning, then you're not really, you don't really know him. And verse 5 says, if you don't keep his word, sorry, verse 4 says, if you don't keep his commandments, then you're a liar and the truth is not in you. That's like pretty harsh. Do you know, when I first got on fire for Jesus, I, w- I read this, and this was like my, these were like very powerful for me. And I was like, okay, Lord, I can see areas in my life where that aren't right. I can see where my flesh is still ruling, where I still have pride, where I still, you know, whatever, different things, okay? I'm trying to always protect myself, and, you know, I see, that, I see my flaws. But, Lord, I'm going to commit to you today that what I see in here, I will never stop trying to mirror until, until I go to be with you. And that means that sometimes it's uncomfortable. Like, I know this might come as a shock to you, but, you know, living in America is hard for a Canadian. It is. And I don't think it's just Canadian, but I mean, like, Canada is a great country. It's a first world nation. There's lots of good stuff. Coming here, there's a cost. But if I want to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, okay, which his word to us was come here, then it doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter. Like, I miss my family. Like, I miss them. And now Michaela's up there, too. But I can't go there because I'm walking in obedience. Like, if you... Here's part of the problem with the modern-day gospel, that there's only there's forgiveness and no cost. If that's the foundation you came in on, you're not going to understand how to die daily. And that's huge. That's really big. Paul says, I die daily. If we're not dying daily, there's something wrong. Listen... If you're not, if you don't feel like you've died a little, just push into Jesus more. You're going to die some more because your flesh is going to have to come under your spirit, man. That's what I do. One of the things we have to do is stop thinking that the uncomfortable feelings are a bad thing. So the examples that the Lord gave me for that was a fireman, like a firefighter. They run toward the fire. What is everybody else doing? They're running away. They're trying to get out. You, they have to override that thing within them that says run, run, to, to run toward the fire. But what's the outcome at the end? The fire is put out and people are saved. Blocks are saved. Homes are saved. Whatever. Or a policeman. I'm not going to get into good and bad or whatever. I grew up to respect police, and that's all there is to it. I have a cousin who's a police officer in Toronto. He's an awesome police officer, awesome guy. He says his training is like they're running into the building where there's gunfire. Everyone else is hiding or running away. You have to override that feeling to run and go in there. That's part of the training. Same with a soldier. Who runs toward the battle and the bombs? We're trained for a reason. Okay, so when the flesh starts saying, no, 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 don't touch me. I can't do this, blah, 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 or whatever. All these things start, you know, honestly, it doesn't feel nice. But the answer is not to turn and run. The answer is to say, you know what? I'm not going to give you what you want, and I'm going to stay in here with Jesus. That's all there is to it. But it's a training. Because initially, it's the fight or flight. We want to run. But we've got to say, no, I'm going to stay, and I'm going to keep pushing forward. And that can mean different things. Turn over to Revelation.
The Lord keeps reminding me of this. I wasn't going to say it, but I know I need to. And it's because somebody needs to hear this. Revelations chapter 3, did I tell you that? Revelations 3. And over at verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold. I would that thou wert hot nor cold. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that ye mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou may be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that thou may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Do you hear that? Repent. Now, the reason why I believe the Lord is bringing this up is because sometimes, let me just say it like this. When I was 18, I put myself, like I started going to a college and careers group. It was like ages 18 to 24. And really, I was just going there because there was cute boys. And we, are, we played sports a lot and had fun. Like it was, not, it was not because I was not on fire for Jesus at that point. That was just before I kind of fully came back in. But I went there, and I had fun. Like, we played, like, volleyball, and we did activities and all this stuff. But, you know, even in my backslidden state, I couldn't handle being around these people. They were not sinning, okay? They, were, they, had, they didn't live a lifestyle of sin, but they were so lukewarm and apathetic toward the things of God. It was disgusting to me. I was like, when I got on fire for God, I don't want to be like that. That's how I was thinking. I was like, I knew that it wasn't right. It was it was disgusting to me. It was like we'd go, they'd watch movies. Like, okay, they weren't going out to the bars, but they weren't really spending time with Jesus. There was no cost involved in their life. There was no, I'm holding up the word as my standard. There was no, I'm pushing into Jesus and dealing with my flesh. It was just, I'm not sinning. And actually, even, even tonight coming here, I was like, I don't know who it's for, so I'm not going to look at anybody, but there are some things you've been messing with, not sin. There's areas in your life where you have allowed to grow cold to the point where you're starting to get into this Laodicean church type thing. And I don't know who it's for, and maybe there's areas for each and every one of us. But God says if you are lukewarm, he will spew you out of his mouth. In other translations, it's talking about vomit you, puke you, spit you. He does not like this. That means if you're not feeling that death daily to your flesh, because I think, here's the thing, your spirit man always loves the Lord. That's not the question. But if your flesh never feels like it's squirming, okay, never feels like you're hitting issues, it's not about the sin. I don't believe anyone in this room, I mean, there might be the odd one that's dealing with like sin issues, but I think most of us, you know, we, we love the Lord and we're not sinning. The issue is walking out of a lukewarm state to say, God, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to put, I'm going to run toward the fire. I'm going to run toward the battle. I'm going to run toward the bullets because we don't want to be lukewarm. God's answer to it is he says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. You have to, we, we, like I'm not, it's all. We have to go through the fire. We have to. 
Do not run away from the things that God is trying to deal with in you or in me. You know, if you come to church and you can't be in worship and you can't, you know, I don't know. You guys know there are things, there are things that are happening in your own life. There's areas that are growing cold and lukewarm. You're not excited about the things of God anymore. This is for you. Start pressing in to Jesus like you never have before. I mean, we were, we've been warned so much lately that the time is short. So we got to do it. We got to be that soldier. We got to be that one that runs toward the fire so that God can deal with the lukewarm junk that's been in our lives. We want to be like Jesus. Okay, go to John chapter 8. Over there, we were reading in 1 John. Keep going. I'm just, I'm going to just talk where you're going to, to John chapter 8. But in 1 John, where we were reading earlier, one of the things it says is that if you know God, you'll keep his commandments. And if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. And that if you know him, part of how everyone will know that you know him is that you act like Jesus and you do the works that he did. That was verse 6. And over here is an example of what Jesus did. So let's read that in verse 28. Then Jesus said unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. So what is Jesus, what does he do? He does what the Father tells him to do, and only what the Father tells him to do. And he always does those things that please him. This has been my prayer lately. Jesus, I want to only do those things that please you. Only do the things that please you. Because see, it's much beyond, okay, I encourage you tonight, start breaking out of patterns. If you get up every morning, the first thing you do is check your messages on your phone and your emails. And I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. See, a lot of this is not wrong. It's that things have gotten out of hand. Okay? You check your phones, you check the weather, you grab your coffee, you blah, 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 you talk on the phone, whatever. Or what if that's not a morning thing for you? What if your pattern is you come home from work and you shower and you eat and then you sit and you watch the news or whatever? I encourage you tonight, start changing up your schedule. Start changing it up. Start planning time with the Lord in more. Listen, you know what the word devotion is, right? We devote time to God. I think if the apostles heard that, they'd laugh at us. Because it's kind of like we give this time, and then it's an event, and then we move on. Paul says he continually prayed. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Do you know that even King David and Daniel, both of them, they prayed three times a day, and they weren't even born again. King David says, in the morning and at noon and at night, I will praise you. I mean, come on, if they can do it. like keep Devotions are, are fine. They're, they're good. Do them. But devote time here and devote time here and devote... It's not one, is what I'm saying. You don't read your five chapters and you do your little shundais and then you move on and you don't talk to Jesus for the rest of the day. That's not a relationship. That's a religion. And we don't want to be there because religion is that whole lukewarm, disgusting thing that happens when we try to be righteous on our own. It's just a form of will worship and it's not, it's not what we're supposed to be. And honestly... This is a big one for me. Because I'm a worker and because I tend to times be perfectionist, I have to remind myself over and over again, it's not by my efforts that anything happens. It's by the Spirit. And that I go to the Spirit and I keep seeking the Lord and walking in the Spirit. That's how things get changed. It's not by putting all these 
bumpers around me, these bumper rails to say, stay in this box and then you'll be the perfect little Christian. No, it's go to the Spirit, go to the Spirit, do the things of the Spirit. This is what the Lord wants for us. And then if you keep going, let's go down again. Jesus turns on verse 31. He says to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So he's saying, listen, I always do what the father wants me to do. I only speak what the father teaches me. And if you want to be a disciple, you have to continue in my word. Why? Because it's only that truth that will make you free. It's nothing else. You've got to keep pressing, pressing past all the hard sayings. Pastor was talking about that this morning. Turn back to chapter 6. You started reading. I was like, oh, no. But, you know, you didn't, you didn't do it. <laughs> See, there's a difference between being a follower and a disciple. And we want to be followers, don't we? I think we do. Don't we want to be disciples? Uh, sorry, we want to be disciples, not just followers. Okay, verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the bread of, uh, sorry, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews, therefore, strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? No kidding. We have the perspective of we know what this is talking about. But if somebody stood up and started telling you to eat their flesh, you'd be like, What? This is weird. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, because, like, let me just bring this. This is weird, and I'm going to bring it even more home to you. This, you know, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, he that eateth of this bread shall live forever." These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? It is a hard saying. We can't deny that this is, this is hard. Okay. But then, verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said, Doth this offend you? <laughs> it's so funny. What, what and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. Skip down to verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ the son of the living God. So a few things. One, they were completely offended by what Jesus was saying. Most of the followers, were they not? Do you notice, though, that Jesus did not change what he was saying because they were offended? He didn't be like, oh yeah, you're right. Okay, you're not going to eat my flesh and you're not going to drink my blood. He didn't change what he said. They just didn't understand it yet. 
But instead of waiting until and pressing in like a disciple does, continuing in the word until the truth sets you free, they didn't do that. They were just a follower. See, a follower only follows until, you know, when the sayings please him. Once the sayings don't please him, they back off. But a disciple pushes past it and lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Does that mean that we're all there? No. But it means you have the attitude that, God, I'm going there. No matter what it costs, I'm going there. I'm getting there because this is truth, no matter how I feel. No matter what I think, this is the truth, and this is how I have to live. And this should be, this is what the Lord wants from us. He really does. He wants us to become the kind of person that's a disciple that pushes past the hard sayings and the things that we don't understand. Pastor was saying this again this morning about, like, listen, this is a church where you can get offended really easily. Don't let it happen. Don't let that offense rise up in your heart because look what these disciples did. Certain of the disciples that were just followers, they walked away. This is a hard saying. And they walked with him no more, it said. And the only ones that stuck around were the ones that said, Lord, they knew who he was, right? Verse 68 says, Lord, who shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And the reason they said that is because of verse 69. They believed and they were sure that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. We need to have faith that Jesus is who he says he is. Um, Hebrews 11.6, let's just go there real quick. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him who God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Isn't it funny how God, Jesus said, I only do those things that please the Father. And here it's saying, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So if we don't have faith, it doesn't matter what we do, we're not going to be able to please the Father. But here's what it is. There's, there's two things here that he says. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Okay. For he that comes to me, goes to God, must first believe that he is. He is everything that he said he is. It's that belief word that Pastor Jim was talking about this morning. Okay. Believing not just in him like, yes, he's there, an acknowledgement, but believing everything he says and who he is and trying to live according to that. You must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, eventually, you know what the reward is? If you're my disciple, you'll continue in my word and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. You're no longer a follower just picking and choosing what you want to believe. You're a disciple who says, I'm going to push through the hard sayings and I'm going to push through until that truth makes me free. A couple more thoughts just as we just as we end here and end this part. I feel like God wanted to do something a little bit different in prayer tonight, so that's going to be fun. But... Um, some of the costs, some of the adjustments of life is just really taking that time with God to find out, Lord, how can I spend more time with you? Prayer doesn't automatically happen. God just doesn't pull you up and throw you on the couch and make your mouth move. You actually have to take, you have to be active in your walk. I have to be active in my walk. Everyone does. You know, we look at other people, we, we think, oh, they're so far ahead of us or they've arrived in this area. But you know, you know that... If we, any, any of us, do not keep our flesh crucified, it won't be long before it's going to start ruling us again. It always wants to resurrect. It doesn't want to stay dead. So every day we have to like, make those choices to be active in a relationship. There is no such thing or there should be no such thing as coasting in our walk with Jesus. And the example the Lord gave me when I was 13, my parents had this um, 
old stick shift Datsun. It was, I don't know if you know what a Datsun is here. I don't know if, like, cause there's brand names that are different. It's ti- this tiny little car and we had it at our, um, we had it at our cottage. So there's these back roads and I was 13, my sister was 14 and my dad decided he wanted to teach us how to drive stick even though we weren't licensed, back roads, country roads, blah, blah, blah. But you know the country roads are like this, right? Or like this. So guess, so my sister does fine because, you know, she's, she's did fine. Let's just say that. But I get into the car, my dad's beside me, and I'm, I get into first and I get, you know, I'm getting, and I'm going down the hill and I start going up, but I stalled on the hill. And then what happens when you stall on a hill Okay, the car started going backwards, and my dad's like, hit the brake, but I was like so flustered because like, I didn't know how to drive, so I'm trying to hit the brake. Obviously, it's my dad's big size 13 foot trying to get in there to hit the brake, you know, because like, we're going to go off into the ditch and fall down some ravine somewhere. That's coasting. When we do that with our walk, anything can take us anywhere, and we don't want that. Coasting is saying, I'm just going to, you know, let the wind take me where it will. Well, you have to be very active in your walk with the Lord. I have to be very active in my walk with the Lord because coasting will take you anywhere. We live in a world where we are going upstream against the downstream. And it's already hard enough. So we have to be very active. There's no such thing or there shouldn't be any such thing as coasting in our lives. Um, and finally, I think one of the things that we can do is Start saying no to the flesh more, just because you can. Not bad stuff. Again, I'm not saying it's bad. But just because you can say, no, you're not going to get food today. Just because you can. Just because you can say, "Mm, no, I'm not watching TV today. Just because you can say, no, I'm not reading that novel today. I'm not kidding. You have to show your flesh who's boss. And whose boss is your spirit man. Seriously. If we don't start saying no to the flesh and the small things... Don't kid yourself. You're not going to be able to say no to, to your flesh and the big things. It's, it's like faith by faith. You learn and you learn and you learn. And you grow and you grow and you grow. That's how we all are. But we, so we have to start with the, with the small things. We need to go home and we need to change up our schedule, change up our patterns. We need to deal with the apathy if there's any setting in. Okay? And we have to make our walk with him an active walk that really pursues him and pushes into him. I really believe that. Guys, there's a cost. The cost is death to the flesh. Yes, salvation is free, but death to the flesh. And we need to do that every day. And so one of the things we're going to do tonight during our prayer time is we're going to take 10 minutes and we're going to worship out loud together. And I'm not going to play. I mean, we could do that and it becomes easy, right? We're just going to worship for about 10 minutes and I'm going to keep track. Then the next 10 minutes, we're going to pray out loud in the spirit. I'm talking out loud. You, I want you, what you're going to do is you're going to be like flesh and putting you in your place. That's what we're doing right now. We're saying no. My, you, your ears need to hear your mouth worshiping, and it needs to hear your mouth praying in the spirit. That's what we're going to do. And then we're going to take the last ten minutes, and we're going to pray. And what, and how that's going to go is we're not just going to pray willy nilly, okay? But as the Lord places something on your heart, I want you to pray it out loud. And when somebody starts praying out loud, we're not going to all just be chaotic. We're just going to listen and pray in the spirit while they're praying. And we're going to agree with what they're praying. And we're going to be like, yes, Lord. Okay. And then when they're done, that's going to stop. And then it'll move on to the next person. And I'm just going to ask you tonight to be obedient to the Lord if he wants you to pray about something.
How do I know if he wants me to pray about something? It's going to be a burning desire on your heart. That's how you're going to know. You're going to know that, okay, you know, the government is really on my heart. I mean, that's a hard one because it's probably on everyone's, but you just you you want to pray. Whatever it could be, it could be health, it could be families, unsaved families. Okay, but you just you just be led of the Lord. If it's something comes on your heart, I want you to pray out loud. But we're going to first start with just worshiping. Okay, if you want to um, stand, go ahead and do that. Um, I'm just going to sit up here, and I'm going to leave my mic on so that we can. I want everyone to do that loud. This is this is the thing. We're going to shake up our flesh a little bit. We're going to pray out loud, or sorry, worship out loud for about 10 minutes. Then we're going to pray in the spirit out loud for another 10, and then we're going to pray, okay? Don't look at the time. You can do this. It's only 10 minutes of each. It's not hard, okay? And if, and if it is, well, it shouldn't be, and that's okay, but let's start tonight, right? Okay. Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you, Lord. Oh, I worship you, I worship you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for revival coming to this church. Lord, we ask for it. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would increase every day your presence. Whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes, we want to be a remnant revival church. So help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We welcome you here, Holy Spirit. We do not shun you, God. We don't want it to be just a religious experience. We want to know you, God. We want to do what you did. We want to love you. We want to just be a light in this neighborhood and in this nation, Lord. Because we want your kingdom above anything else, Lord. We want to only do those things that please you, Father. And it is your will, Lord, that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. And that kingdom is in us. But, Father, if we never... If we never increase our time with you, if we always live according to the flesh, Lord, it will never happen. But, Lord, we seek you. We seek your face, Lord. We're asking for this, Lord. We ask that you pour it of your spirit upon us. Lord, help us so that when things start happening, Lord, we don't freak out. Help us to know how to handle what you're doing, Lord, and to sustain it. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. I thank you for this time to be here together tonight. I ask, Lord, that you would remind us every day that you'd whisper to us, come away, come away with me, and that we'd obey that voice and we'd go and spend time with you. We love you so much, Lord, and we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before we close here, I want you to know that you can do that at home anytime. You just take a chunk of time, worship, then pray in the Spirit, and then pray. You know, you can do confessions, but you can pray. Do you know that you're hitting three out of the four pillars when you do that? And then you add fasting in, and then guess what? Spiritual growth starts happening. You don't have to wait till you come to church. You don't need a band. We just did it tonight. You just start worshiping. You start doing it. I also want you guys just be encouraged to continue pressing it. If you've never prayed in public... It's time to start. What are you going to do when 100 people walk in and you have to pray for them? you got to know how to do it. And God's doing it now in a small setting so that it's not going to be so overwhelming to you later. So that fear that starts your chest starts beating, you're like, I don't want to say anything out loud. I'm an introvert. Nah, 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 nah. 
you know, don't don't give into it. Say no to the flesh. You know, start being trained up so that you can um, just be that that person that God wants you to be. Amen. 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 So, bless you all.